Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's with me, your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Tim Shields. What's popping, Tim? Not much, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, it always kind of sucks to have to record after a bad stretch of games, but regardless, we persevere and we are here to talk about the Celtic struggle. So let's get into it, man. Nah, man, before we even get into it, we need to start. Look, we need to praise this TJ Maxx pajama fine, dude. Like this is a PJ. I was gonna say, man, like that's a shirt. That is Imagine, that's dude. something. It's just for sleeping in. I was gonna say it does look like bedwear. Yeah, this never getting worn outdoors, bro. <laughs> never. But for like in uh, in and around the house when the heating's on and I'm feeling cozy. Yeah, dude, this is nice. It's soft. It was got it from the TJ Maxx. So you know, it's official. Is this official. a teammate? Is this a TJ Maxx plug? I mean, I'm just saying, like, people talk about their thrift finds all the time, right? <laughs> I, I don't go thrifting, but I go maxing. That's what I'm saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you know, I have to uh, have to show the fit. Also, I got me a new hat today. Ooh. Yeah, yeah see, I like that logo. For those listening on audio, it's the old school logo from the 40s. From Lids. Got it. Yeah. Went to pick up a Lids store. Got myself a new hat. To match you know anyway i just wanted to share because got a lot of sad to talk about so we it's not fair if i don't at least speak about some good i mean it's only good for me but you know you get to see me in it so maybe it's good for you i know um <laughs> gotta keep it light man <laughs> yeah it's, it's been a rough weekend man it's been it's been a tough one you know so two losses back to back the orlando magic my biggest takeaway in all of this and i think this is kind of a good jumping off point the Magic played incredibly intense, right? Super physical, in your face, fighting for every loose ball, really trying to like leave leave their mark physically. Now, when you look at some of the Celtics' losses recently, the losses to the Bulls, what did the Bulls do? They turned up the intensity. They turned up the physicality. The Clippers are a physical team. Mook was there. He was kind of being his usual enforcing self. Like those type of things, uh, the Celtics have struggled with kind of overcoming throughout this season and when you look at the way Ime Udoka was coaching this team they were a lot more rough and ready right like I said this on a podcast I did earlier with my boy Will Weir shout out Will like Ime came in and bought the dog in these guys you know what I mean everybody was down like these trench battles where a team's really trying to like disrupt your offense and force you into like a real one possession grind then a de- then a defensive possession grind the Celtics excelled in that last year. They're really struggling to kind of st- like emerge through that intensity this year. And it just felt like Orlando knew how to disrupt what the Celtics were trying to do. And two wins in two games kind of shows you that they, they at least have the blueprint. Yeah. I mean, I also want to say that the magic, look, I understand. I checked them. I'm just, I've got all the standings up in front of me. I know they're 13th. They have also won six straight games. So, do with that information what you will. Uh, the Celtics should have beaten this team. Uh, game one was really disappointing. Game two was even more disappointing um, with the way that the Celtics offense has looked over the past five games has been discouraging. But I, I think right now it, it's got to be mental, right? When I think about the way that the Celtics have performed, Marcus Smart said as much in his uh, post-game availability, saying that it feels like the Celtics have been putting a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect. And what that ends up doing is they just end up underperforming because they have all of these rising expectations. You know, 
talking about when they came into the season, their expectations were pretty low. All things considered, you know, they didn't know when Rob was going to be back. They didn't have Gallinari, everything going on with Ime. I need to cut you right here. The expectations cannot be t- that low when you're coming in as the reigning Eastern Conference champions. I, I agree with that. NBA finalists. Yeah. Like, I get that expectations were lower. Yeah. But they weren't low. Like, nobody no. was expecting this. Like, low expectations to me is, hey, this team's going to be a first or second round exit. No, sir. Under no. no circumstances did I ever say to myself, this team is successful if it's a second round exit this year. Did I say it could be possible? Yes. I didn't say that I'd be successful. Low expectations no. is where you think you think something's a success, which is a lower bar than what you're capable of. Never once did I hear anybody say that a first or second round exit was successful. No. Well, I think I think it went from like they're going to be in the mix to like that insane start that they had. All of a sudden, it was like this is a historically great team. Like this could be the greatest offense that the league has ever seen. And for the stretch of time that they were playing godly, then yeah, it was awesome. It was really fun to watch. But now it's kind of like the law of averages has come in and just dealt an absolute haymaker to the Celtics. Their three-point shooting has gone down bad. Their turnovers have not been great. Um, Specifically, Jalen Brown, we talked about a little bit before we hopped on, but Jalen Brown's been looking really, really rough with those turnovers. And some of them are not even forced. Like It's just not taking care of the basketball, knowing like a guy's coming up behind you, acknowledging that he's there, and then still letting him poke the ball loose anyway. Or just, I think the worst was there was a breakaway, and I believe it was against the Magic, where the team was on the breakaway, and he had Smart to his left, and there was a defender that got between them. And even though they were on the breakaway, he still tries to pass it over to Smart, but like in the most lazy, lackadaisical way possible. And so the defender just literally is just able to like go with two hands and just hug the basketball and just gets away with it. It's just lack of discipline. And I feel like a lot of it just comes down to this, this mental edge of trying to put too much pressure on yourself to the point of you're just completely taking yourselves out of the game. It's the biggest issue for me is it's not so much in terms of overthinking or coming in with low expectations or trying too much. It's moving away from everything that made you successful, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at what they did earlier in the season, it was multiple actions. You'd run an action, you'd drive. There'd be a weak side action occurring. You'd hit whoever came off. So say you've come, say on the strong side, you've come off a flare screen, received the ball, slot drove into the paint, on the weak side, there's another flare screen. Someone's now shading into the corner. You f- kick it out from the on a baseline kick out. They catch the ball in the corner. They drive. Then they hit it out to somebody at the top of the perimeter. Somebody, You've got another guy coming off a ghost screen that's now in the slot. The defense is completely torn apart. Boom, we're going to hit him. It's a wide open free. And it was multiple action sequences. You were running one action to create another and a knock-on effect. And what happens is the defense struggles to keep up with how fast the ball is moving. And eventually, they can't recover in time to close out on a shooter. And that's where the Celtic shooting was at its best, right? Because you were getting all of your shooters with set shots or movement shots in terms of they're coming off a screen with the ball in their hand, but there's no defender or the defender's coming in at the point of release where it's too late to really impact what's going on or it's just slightly just about on time, but not enough. And that worked perfectly. Now what we're seeing is single action attempts. So we're running... Someone's coming off a pick and roll. Someone, I don't know, you've got a 45 cut or a backdoor cut and they're getting the ball and then that's it. We've got the ball. We might kick it back out for an easy catch and shoot. 
But even that's still heavily guarded. We're not moving enough in terms of, hey, I drive, I kick, you drive, you kick, I drive, you come off a screen, you come, then you go set a screen. Where's all the additional off-ball actions? That, to me, has been the biggest issue, right? Like the Celtics prove they're capable of moving the rock and... You know, when you play this way, you're kind of avoiding as much, like a bit more contact because everybody's fluid. Defense defenders are chasing you in the rear view a bunch. All of a sudden, since that Golden State game, really, defenses have figured out, hey, if we just stay in front of these guys, they don't really have somebody that can create off the dribble like that. They don't have someone that can beat us off a crossover and then create. Jason Tatum's showing he can do that but it's very much self-creation. There's not really like a playmaking aspect there. So, hey, we're just going to stay in front of these guys, bug down their half-court offense, and then force them into making some tough shots. That's just not what's made them successful. And to me, that is their biggest issue offensively. Yeah, and like, how do you go about getting that groove back other than simply just getting the ball moving again and just trying to get some of this off-ball movement back? Because I feel like that's something that's lacking too. Like you talk about how there's more than just one action on a play, having multiple options where you're running through these different scenarios, trying to get people open and not just settling for like the first look that you get. It's tough, right? Like it feels like it's a double-edged sword on one side. They need to see freeze falling and that's going to encourage them to play that way. But on the other side, freeze aren't going to consistently fall if you're not playing that way. You might, but so what you're waiting on now is just a night where everybody's shots fall because it's not like the Celtics are taking bad shots. They're still taking open shots. The difference is they're open, not wide open. If we want to go into that NBA stats, hey, you know, four to six feet is open, six plus feet is wide open. And that, like, if we want to break it down like that, they're still taking analytically favorable shots. They're open freeze, but the rhythm's not there. Do you get what I'm saying? The, the, mm-hmm. the, the way the offense is flowing isn't there. Everything just feels disjointed. It doesn't feel like the Celtics from two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I mean, if you look at the last 10 games, how's the shooting? 23.1%. Yeah. 42% on the season, 10 game stretch of 23.1%. I mean, that tells me that something somewhere is going wrong. Whether that And Hauser isn't, Hauser's a symptom. Do you know what I mean? He's a yeah. symptom of a root issue. He's not the cause. Derek White's numbers have dropped. Malcolm Brogdon's numbers have dropped. Tatum has kind of flitted in and out of being impactful from the perimeter. This to me is very much a, hey, we were in a really good rhythm. We got took out of our rhythm again by Chicago. We kind of found it again. You know, we managed to whoop the, the Suns. Like we just spanked those dudes. And then for some reason, someone pulled the trap door on us after we spanked the Suns. And now we're kind of here. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to get that rhythm back, you're kind of just waiting for a night where everybody's shooting well from open shots. And hopefully that'll build the rhythm up and we get back to what we were seeing earlier in the season. Or at least my uneducated opinion would be that's what we're waiting for at this point because the effort's there, right? But sometimes you can try too hard. Yeah, and it, well, like, I think talking about the law of averages, like there was a massive regression, and like you said, with Hauser and Derek White specifically, like their their drop off there is tough, and it sucks because you saw how Derek White came in. Derek White's confidence, like his shooting stroke, looked so much better, and now we've kind of see it just like crash back to earth. But again, like I don't think it's these kind of issues. They're not just individuals. Like they are the symptom of the bigger problem, which comes down to 
communication, effort, you know, a one unified offense. And it's just not there. So I'm just, it's discouraging. Like, I'm not going to say, sit here and say like the sky is falling and all of that stuff because there's so many games in a season. There's so many games. And I think we've seen enough out of this team performing at their best that we know like what they're capable of. And it's just a matter of them recapturing that offense. And I think like, I don't, you don't need to see them hit it at a historic clip. They just need to hit their open shots. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed too, and I talked about it a little bit before we hopped on the defense has been pretty solid. Um, They're a top 10 defense still. And over the last five games, the offense has been the thing that's been letting them down. Like their defense has gotten better uh, over the last five games Four of the five, obviously were losses. If they didn't win that game against the Lakers in overtime, um, that would have been five straight losses, but their defensive rating was ninth in the league. And it's mainly been their offense. that has been a problem. They're shooting sub 30% from three um, averaging about 15.5 turnovers a game over this stretch um, over these five games. So it's just overall their shooting's been bad. And I don't think it's on an individual. I think it's just a matter of them just coming together and figuring out how do we get our guys open? How do we make this easier? And how we just get back to getting into a rhythm, getting into a groove? Because I think they're focusing so hard. Everyone's trying to fix it. Like everyone's trying to fix it. And I think that's what's throwing everything off. Like you're trying way too hard. Before it seemed like effortless. Everything was smooth. Like everyone was having fun. Everything was in a rhythm. And it was just all good vibes. And now yeah, it I mean, just feels disjointed. They don't call it free flowing for nothing, right? Like they're yeah. not playing free. This is constrained flowing. It's just not working right now. Mm-hmm. You talk, you touched on the turnovers. So let's hit that. Over the last two games, the team's had 30 turnovers. Jalen Brown has been responsible for 12 of those. But some of those have been travel calls. Let's be fair. Not all of them have been bad decisions. And he spoke about that on his post-game press conference. Swore about the refs. I'm assuming he's going to catch a fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's going to catch a fine. Uh, But sometimes that's what you need to do, right? You need to put it out in the forum of like the public forum. Eat that fine. So the refs know like, hey, uh, we need some continuity here. Like if you're calling me for a travel fine, but make sure you're calling that guy for a travel too. Or that guy. So I do think that the the turnovers are an issue, but again, they're a symptom. You're trying too hard. You're over penetrating when you do penetrate, when you're not, you're swinging it around and the passes are just so easy to pick off. Right? Like there was one early in yesterday's game and it was like, I can't remember who it was, but you took someone off the dribble, drove, hit the paint and then just turned and kicked it back out to the top of the perimeter. And everyone knew that's where the ball was going. Right? Because nobody had cut Nobody had moved. Nobody had mm-hmm. like, you know, when you cut, you're not just cutting, you're manipulating a defense. You're pulling everybody into where you are and you're making gaps for people to exploit. But no, everyone was just there. And it felt like early, early, early in my Udoka. Do you know what, what I mean? Like just standing, like stop and stay. Hey, we're going to, we're going to, when one guy penetrating, everyone's going to stop. I'm going to kick the ball out to one of you guys. Whereas early Missoula was like, hey, when I penetrate, someone's going to cut baseline or there's going to be a wedge screen and we're going to get Tatum into the weak side post or we're going to do, there's going to be something somewhere that makes things happen in terms of a defensive rotation. And we're not seeing that enough. And again, that's trying too hard. It's everybody being like, yo, let me just try and create something to get us all going. Not realizing you're driving into 
two free defenders and a help defender that can rotate over. People are pinching on you. What I mean by that is they're just like, they're literally moving in like claws, like we're pinching in and they're just making life really difficult. Dude. Um, overall, from the Celtic standpoint, it is just figuring out that rhythm. I think we'll hammer on that if we don't move on from this subject. But before we do, can we please just talk about how good Bancaro is? Please. Orlando's got some really good pieces there. Franz Wagner, at the heart of it. Bancaro, Mo Wagner deserves to get punched in the nuts. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not in the nuts. I mean, punching someone in the nuts is quite rough. Like trying to undercut someone's leg also is probably not. Yeah, but being punched in the nuts is like, yeah, that hurts, bro. That makes me think that there was like actual beef there, like going back a ways. Like you don't just do that to anyone. Like you do that if someone's been pissing you off. That's not yeah, so, and especially from Al. Like you, you're talking about like the most seasoned player on this roster. Like you think that he would know better, right? Like you wouldn't just go ahead and just pull some kind of stunt like that unprovoked. So I'm just wondering if there was more issues there where it's just like, hey man, like get the hell off of me. And oh, it just no, went too I know. You know, I tried to coin it like, oh, that was a low blow. It was an owl blow. Oh, like an Alba, you know, dad jokes are us over here. <laughs> um, I found it quite funny. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but Bankero is awesome, dude. Um, uh, I think Markel Fultz coming back has really helped like tie everything nicely up for them. I think that they look just a lot better at the moment, you know, in terms of hey, everybody's kind of playing on a string over there. It's not like I genuinely believe if Fultz had never been injured and he'd been healthy since entering the league, he'd be an all-star level guard. Now, I think it's going to be more like, hey, long term, he's going to be a really high level six man. And the magic of realistically, a, a, a legitimate star guard away from being really fucking scary. You know, Bol Bol's showing that he's got something there. Um, Wagner, Franz Wagner's definitely an all-star level guy in the future. Bankero, is ridiculous. You know what I mean? I like Cole Anthony as a spark plug off the bench. Uh, Jonathan Isaac isn't even back yet. I mean, what's he going to be like? I mean, he Coming into the league his first few years, he was like a DPOY type potential there. Like Orlando was scary, good dude, like stacked. Like, and I said this to someone earlier, I was like, they remind me of like the Jama Rantless Grizzlies from like two, three years ago. You know, just young, full of high upside talent, just one or two draft picks or one or two good pickups away from being a legitimate problem. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good analogy because of, I know like JJJ has had his problems with health and, you know, now it's Jonathan Isaac. I don't even know when that guy's going to come back because like his health has been an issue for them for about like two years now. He got that extension and... Yeah, it's been rough there. And and so, even then, like he'd come, he'd got injured before, got extended, come back, got injured again. Yeah, and that's sad. Like that sucks in a lot of ways because I think, yeah, he was a guy that was a huge defensive piece and posed a lot of problems because of his size and length. Like that's a big team, man. And if they end up being bad enough where they're they even have a shot at like okay, yeah, maybe Victor Wembanyama, but even like Scoot Henderson, like if they have a chance to be in that kind of airspace in terms of the lottery that's gonna be terrifying like that team adding a guy like that is insane and i mean there's there's a handful of teams you could say that about who've got younger guys 
especially a team like Detroit too. Like Detroit's got some younger pieces now. You've got Cade Cunningham who's going to be out for the season. So obviously that Killian Hayes looks like he's actually able to play basketball at this point. He had he scared me a little bit because he had the same injury that Isaiah Thomas did to his hip. That was like a big deal when that happened. Yeah, when it took he ended him a up missing long the season time to recover. It was scary. Well, fortunately, like there's been medical advancements and he also wasn't like it wasn't like he was doing what Isaiah did where he was playing through, you know, muscle issues and like cartilage issues. You know, it was something that they were able to catch Post-season. on pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, like Isaiah also like had that going on for a long time, but I digress. But you know, teams like the Magic, they're they're not that far off. They're really not. I think about like what the Cavaliers managed to do, and like look at them now. Like they're they're going to be in the postseason making some noise. I don't think the Magic are that far off from it either. Even defensive rating, man, the Cavs. Damn. Yeah, Mobley and Jarrett Allen are some big dudes. Twin towers. Right. Anyway, that's for an NBA show to discuss. I'm just saying there's uh, <laughs> the magic are good. Uh, yes. I think they're better than what their record shows. I think they've got a lot of talent and in a year or two, they're going to be a team where you have them circled. Like, man, it's going to be a tough one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Moving on, I want to look at the panic meter now. I think it's time we look at whether, we're on, whether we should or should not panic, right? And we're going to do this whether we should or should not panic moving towards the trade deadline, right? So... Why? Because that's when teams start to make decisions. Now, we're not going to talk about the Celtics making decisions, but that's when, you know, some of the teams drop out of the playoff race. Other teams try and make a push to get into it. So let's have a look. It's the 19th of December at the time of recording. It's Monday. The Celtics are 22 and 9. Yep. They've lost four of their last five, which means they'd only lost five games before this stretch. At one point, they were the best offense in the NBA. They were on pace to be a historical offense. They currently sit second in the league in three-point attempts and fourth in the league in three-point conversion. So they're, you know, only three teams are knocking down their threes as consistently as the Celtics are, and and only one of them is taking more attempts per game. With all that being said, a four-game stretch of bad play doesn't worry me in terms of hey I'm panicking I think the Celtics need to make a decision need to make a move blow it up fire Missoula trade Tatum like none of that I don't want none of that no. like it's a four game four, well it's a five game stretch of bad basketball well you ain't had a bad week at work you haven't had a week where it just weren't working no matter what you did like these things happen dude like it's December there's so much more basketball left to get played I'm not worried in the slightest if I had to mark it down one to five I'm at like a a 0.7. Not 0. 0.7. 0.7. That's a 0. 0.7 for yeah. all of my United States aficionados. But that's pretty low. I we, you know, I think I probably have it around a two or a three, but not intensively, you know, looking at it. Like I'm not gonna go ahead and freak out about it. I think overall teams face adversity like you're not going to see anyone go through a season and have this kind of level of success there's a reason why teams like the warriors when they went out and did it or you're talking about like the you know the old school bulls you know towards the end of michael you know michael jordan's time in chicago where they were playing at an insane clip like those teams are historic for a reason and they're few and far between you don't see teams rip off crazy runs where all of a sudden they are just unstoppable juggernaut and especially for the Celtics like I don't think anyone looked at the Celtics offense and said like 
they're probably going to be a top three offense. Like no one, no one thought that. I don't think. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be a top three offense because there were concerns about the bench. Granted, you went out and you got Malcolm Brogdon. He's a great player, but there was a lot of players who picked their game up big time. And now after, you know, a four or five game stretch of mediocre to discouraging basketball, they still aren't that far off from what they were. Like, I really don't feel like that's the case. I think this team has a lot of stuff going for it. And I don't think it's time to, by any means, say blow it up. I don't think that's it. I, I, I only laugh at that because there probably it, there are some people out there who are like, this is terrible. You know, trade Jalen, you know, get rid of so-and-so. Like, go ahead, blow it up. Like, there are people out there. Like, we're not just like going ahead and like, you know, imagining our own boogeyman here. In terms of what the Celtics can do to get back on track, we've talked about a little bit, but I I honestly think it just comes down to just staying connected. I think a lot of the noise around the team is going to distract them. I think there is this big, massive mental aspect to it. Um, and uh, across the last five games, like I do want to say, like against the Lakers, for most of that game, they played pretty damn good. I thought that was going to be, you know. Them going out and like mopping the floor with the Lakers, I think would have changed the way that everything kind of felt. I think because they blew that lead and granted, I kind of felt like that was going to be them getting back on track because they had blown that lead, which was so familiar for Celtics teams in the past. And then they just went ahead and they just got smoked by the Magic, who you know we've said are a good young up-and-coming team. But I just... Looking at the way that the Celtics are right now, I think it's far too early to hit the panic button. I just don't think, I don't think overall that like there's going to be a lot that they can do that's going to change the way that I feel about them and the way that they've played outside of just full on going and having like a torrid stretch where they just play like 500 basketball. And I just don't see that happening either. I, I think we can't discount the fact that this road trip took a lot out of them, like in terms of just a lot of travel, a lot of time shifts. Very tough teams. The Clippers are not pushovers. Obviously, we know what the Warriors are. Like they're a tough team. Raptors are also a tough team too. Like I just think it took a toll on them more than we realized. And now it's like they got to come home and they actually have to get a legitimate reset. All I'm saying is, I blame Joe Mazzulla's Quizlet. Um, oh God! Because now everybody knows what the Celtics game reports <laughs> like. <laughs> Yo, first things first. I want to, um, whoever shared that on Twitter originally, you are evil. What that should, what you should have done is started like a DM chain. Like, Hey, DM this to all of your Celtics buddies, you know, because as an X's and O's fan, I wanted to read that. I wanted to deep dive into every single note on every single player. And you took that away from me. It got taken. However, from the notes I did see, not one of them said, keep shooting freeze when they're not falling. Yeah, most of it was about other teams, right? It wasn't about yeah, the Celtics. I mean, like, hey. <laughs> trying to segue here, dude. Um, <laughs> what, not one of them said, keep shooting freeze when they're not falling. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we're just going to keep jacking them and we're going to keep letting them go clank, clank. No, bro. Like, I want it like, there's other ways to score. Do you know, there's two other scoring levels mid range, rim. And why aren't we doing that? Yeah, the Celtics drive the ball a lot. I think they're 10th or 11th in the league for drives per game. They drew fouls, good. But they didn't pressure the rim, per se. 
you know, and this comes back to that driving kick game, that secondary and tertiary actions. But I just feel like you remember at the start of last season where we were like, man, Udoka's kind of stubborn on um, what he's asking them to run. I feel like Missoula's kind of like, yo, this is how we're going to play, and this is this is it. You know, I'm not I'm not going to try and go with additional size, and we'll pound the rock inside. I'm not going to try and go smaller, like super small. I mean. Um, and try and outrun these guys. We're just going to stick the stay the course. And part of me is like, that's fine. But sometimes when the ball's not falling, the offense is disjointed. I really want to see you guys just change course for five minutes, do something different, get a bit of success, find a little bit of confidence, and then go back to the game plan. Right? Hey, let's run some more cross actions. Get guys on the post. Let's feed Al Horford down there. He can create from there. Let's get Rob Williams operating as a DHO guy around the elbows. Roll to the rim, lob, roll to the rim, pocket pass, Rob just dunks on falls. We're going to start firing some middies when Rob's around there because he can just volleyball tip them in. Ding, bing, bing. It's easy, right? Obviously, it's not easy. It's the NBA. But what I'm getting at is there's other ways to score. And I feel like at the minute, and Missoula said this himself, he's like, hey, I've got to get better on like end of game execution. Yeah, but I think you also need to get better at kind of like accepting when you just don't have it in that system right now and having something to fall back on like hey we're going to run x y and z for the next two or three minutes with this rotation because this is what it it gives us x and y and then we're going to come back and see if we've built a rhythm you know and if not then we're going to run this for another minute because you're letting guys play through and that was working earlier in the year but legs are getting tired you know we're 31 games into the season at this point it's time to start being like hey you know if it ain't working we need to we need a plan b you shouldn't just be going in with plan. What have you seen them run a, a different system at all this year? Really? No, I don't think I've seen them really change up their offense very much. Like they've kind of just been always doing the same thing. My point exactly. They have with the defense. You know, they started playing up to touch with their big. Then they were playing one through four switch and five drop. Then they were trying to put their five men up on the perimeter a bit more. Now they've kind of settled on like last season where you know Rob or. Um, they've put Tatum in that role as that Roma. They're having someone operate as that weak side rotation guy. We're seeing that more and more. I think at one stretch, um, Thinking Basketball did a really good video where they put Luke Corner in that role against AD. Do you know what I mean? So if you're on YouTube right now watching this, go over and once you've finished and watch Ben Taylor's Thinking Basketball video on how the Celtics use Cornet there because it was really good. Um, the video was really good and the concept. So he's making the adjustments defensively and they seem to be working because they're climbing the defensive ratings, but we're just not seeing the adjustments offensively. And I get it. They're still one of the best offensive teams in the league, but I just never think it hurts to have the ability to catch a team off guard for two minutes. And as they start to adjust to what you're doing, you go back to what you would your original scheme. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, you're in an advantage of playing that cat and mouse game coach to coach and you're just trying to get that little bit ahead, right? So that's kind of my only other observation right now. Yeah, so you're talking just about general coaching adjustments. And I think that's, you look at some of these games, like I think against the Warriors, they really needed some adjustments and those adjustments never really came. I think that's that's actually like a really perfect example of needing to try and change things up because what you were doing or what you have been doing wasn't working in that given matchup. Like for some reason, like three point shots aren't falling in a game. Okay, well, we need to figure out a different way to score, which means we need some more movement. We need some more screens. We need some more cutting. And I think 
they shouldn't be afraid of doing that. And I think it was something that I've had an issue with the Celtics in the past where it's like, you guys are just settling for threes and they're not bad looks. It's just that they're not going in. And there are games where, Hey, they're just not falling for us tonight. It is what it is, but you doesn't mean that you keep doing it. You know, like if the shots aren't there and they're not falling on a given night, you do have to, again, just chalk it up to, I, I, we just don't have it from range. Okay, well, let's find another way because we can't just keep doing the same thing, knowing it's not working, and then losing it. The definition of insanity is doing the same exact thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that's kind of what it feels like when they don't have that three ball going for them because they're one of the teams that's taking the most threes in the league. And again, yeah, they still are an offensive juggernaut in this league, and they've just had a rough stretch of games. But that doesn't mean that like, hey, when it's not working in a game, we can just keep going because like we're a good offensive team. Like we'll find our rhythm. Doesn't mean you're going to find it like you don't have those options sometimes. Like if you're in the playoffs and it's not working for you, you're not just going to keep running the same thing, hoping that it'll just pan out because you don't have that kind of wiggle room. And that's kind of where like coaching does help in the postseason where you've got, you know, a coaching duel, right? I started playing my money don't. My money don't jiggle jiggle. It, it folds, but I like. <laughs> don't fall, fall. Okay, play. all right, all right, all right. That makes sense. Um, but just you know, I I worry about eventual coaching battles because that's kind of where coaching comes in to play when like the margin of error is small or hey, w- like what we're doing right now isn't working. Like get your guys together, figure out what you need to be doing offensively to get it working again. And that's kind of where Joe Missoula's, I think inexperienced sort of rang true where you're going against some of these more experienced coaches like Tyron Liu going against a guy like Steve Kerr. That is a massive water ball you're drinking from right now. <laughs> it's not that big. It's like two liters, three liters. That's a lot. What is that? What is that in pints? <sighs> no idea. A lot. A lot. Okay. All right. Well, Good. It keeps me good. hydrated. Yes. High quality H2O. But like, you see what I'm saying in terms of these coaching adjustments in a game, like you need to see more from Joe. Yeah. I mean, he's not your average Joe. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Dad jokes. No, he's, we do need to see more. I think we need to see a little bit more flexibility. We need to see a willingness to actually call some set plays. Like one thing that MA did last season and Brad was very good at doing as well was like, you know, if you're struggling, he would call out like set plays from the sidelines. And I know Joe does that too, but I just feel like timing them for, hey, we've missed two or three in a row. We're going to run X or we're going to run a rip DHO or a gut DHO or whatever it may be. Because I've seen something from the sidelines that tells me this is going to be a play that generates an easy bucket. Cool. Let's do it. I'm down. If not, What's the point? You know what I mean? What are you there for? Like, you have to be willing to change things up or to call things out and to kind of help put your team in a position to win. Now, with that being said, they're about to face the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. The Indiana Pacers are not very good. But Tyrese Halliburton is very, very good. Uh, Aaron Neesmith is going to jump into somebody at some point. Uh, jokes aside, I'd like to see Missoula have a plan B if things don't work early because Rick Carlisle is no joke of a coach. 
Yeah. And he's going to have options. He's going to have route one, route two, and route three. You know, and I think that what we're seeing is, and I said this the other day, and the magic kind of pooed on my point a little bit, but some of the Celtics' <laughs> biggest losses have come against Eric Spolstra, Billy Donovan, Ty Lue. You know what I mean? Some of the best coaches in the NBA. Mm-hmm. We've got to remember Missoula's still a rookie too. Yeah. You know? So for all the stuff we've just said about him over the last 10 minutes, all of it's fair, in my opinion. It's fair criticism. I don't think we've said anything egregious. I don't think we've been disrespectful. Um, but what I will say is on the other side of that coin, we do need to remember it might only be 31 games into the season, but it's also 31 games into his career as an NBA coach. And yeah. That needs to be taken into account when we're talking about, you know, decisions he's made or hasn't made. I'll give him credit though, because after that magic loss on Sunday, he did say, I've got to be better. Like it wasn't a matter of like, well, you know, it just he he took ownership of that situation of like, we need to be better. I need to be better in order to get my team where it needs to be. Yeah. And but you do that by giving me a 10 day contract. <laughs> I just want a bit of water boy for 10 days. I'm just going to be like an amazing hustle guy. They'll just put me out there. I'll get like six fouls and then I'll go like Eric Cantona, man, just fly kicking everybody. Oh God. Uh, With that being said, I wouldn't fly kick these guys. Have you seen them? They're huge. Bounce off them and kick the hell out of me. Um, With that being said, everybody will be back again on Wednesday to, well, it might be Thursday. I'm not sure yet. We're either going to preview the Pacers game or we're going to talk about it after it happens on Thursday. We'll be back one of we'll the two days. You'll see, see us. We'll be around. here. We'll be around. <laughs> Until then, have yourselves a fantastic week. Cheers. <laughs>